Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what's poppin'? Hey, your eyes into the camera. Yeah, it's a thing. Uh, no, you seemed a little bit facetious about it. Was, it was, yeah, because, yeah, it was, you know, keep people on their toes. You don't like having the camera pointed at you, do you? I'm, I'm used to it. I couldn't care less. It's couldn't care less, by the way. Okay, you couldn't care less. Yeah. You are used to having a camera pointed at you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been on stages and stuff. I've been on okay. production. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Well, I thought it bothered you like, in a, like, like, like man, I can't be bothered get that thing away from me. Kind of like that, but, you know, it's, I play it up. Yeah, play it up. You're a good-looking dude. Oh, people thank you. See you. Except the fucking landing strip. Oh, you're dropping the F-bombs today, nah, John. I whispered. I'm just going to, I'll bleep it out. Will you bleep it out? Mm-hmm. Just for you. All right. So today's episode, we're going to jump right into oh, it. Oh my goodness. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm flying out to Wyoming on Saturday. Yes. How nice, right? How nice. Cody, Wyoming, 7D happy for Ranch. You, man. My happy place. I know. Shout out to my friends at the 7D Ranch in Sunlight Basin. If you ever want to take your family on one of the most epic week-long mm-hmm retreat style adventures and you got the coin yeah make sure six months reserve 401k maxing out your iras all that stuff yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you you're you're dominating the personal finance <laughs> yeah. side you're focused on earning yeah. and you're doing a good job mm-hmm. you should check out spending some of your hard-earned cash at 70 ranch yeah, i'm excited to see are you going to do the same adventures and same hikes that you did last time or is it new adventures well it's 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 a lot of the same but it's always new it's always new. Mm-hmm. You never know when you're out on trail, like what you're going to see, what you're going to encounter. Yeah. But you're hella fit now. So when you but, go on that mountain climb, it shouldn't be a problem for you. Yes. Well, I'm going to climb a mountain probably. And hopefully I don't die. <laughs> yeah, right. Or get injured. <laughs> no, knock on wood. Yeah, but yeah, it's going to be horseback riding, hiking, fly fishing. Um, no Wi-Fi, no signal. Hopefully, hopefully no Wi-Fi, hopefully no signal. I heard a rumor that they were trying to get the uh, Elon Musk, um, uh, what's that called, Starlink or yeah, whatever? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't yeah, but nonetheless, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm pretty amped up about it. So, Good. yes, we're trying to get, like, into this episode because then we're going to do another episode. Both these episodes are going to drop next week when I'm actually out of town. Good for you, man. You and I actually, though, prepped the audience for this. Mm-hmm. If you tuned back, um, not the Jeff Velez episode about home warranties, the one before it. Right. Right, you and I were talking about. Hey, I want to do an episode on the mortgage business. Mm-hmm. It's a business. That's what I want to do today. Nice. I want to talk about the business behind it because I think if people can understand that it's a business, and this is by the way, people as consumers, mm-hmm. people who are applying for home loans, people are real estate agents and home builders who rely on lenders to fund the transactions for buyers to buy those said properties, mm-hmm. as well as folks in the mortgage industry. If people can understand, there's a business behind it. It'll help them become better loan officers. It'll help them become more informed consumers. It'll help them become better educated realtors. Right. right? So across the board, I want to do my best to explain the mortgage business the way that I know it. Okay. Before I do it, we do have some business at hand that we have to talk about. Do you mm. want to run with it? Or you no, you, run you're with on it? fire today. I am not, and I'm not going to stand in your way. All right. Well, you're a universe person, John. Very much so. Okay. This is the first time you're going to hear this out of my out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It won't be the last. I know. You know what we need, John? What is that, Dustin? A publicist. Okay. We need a public relations company. We need a booking agent. We need someone out there in the universe mm-hmm. who likes what we're doing as much as our fans like what we're doing, mm-hmm. that they want to help us mm-hmm. introduce this 
pla- concept, this platform, this platform, this material mm-hmm. to more people, to the masses, the super masses, to the super masses. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Who wants to discover T-Lop first? Right. Who wants to be? Yeah. Who, who wants, wants to be a part of this journey? Yeah. Right. I'm, I feel you. Okay. I'm gonna put it out there. Okay. But I think it starts with mm-hmm. you and I putting ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna put ourselves out there because we're gonna be in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. September 20th, September 21st, mm-hmm. at the Palms Hotel yep. Resort Casino yep. at Mastermind 2022. Yep. If you want information regarding this awesome mortgage event, it's on our website. Our website is tloponline.com. That is T-L-O-P online.com. Shout out Jungo. Jungo's agreed to sponsor the lunch. That way, not only can you participate in a town hall format with Mm -hmm. me and John, but you can also eat lunch. Lunch is courtesy of the people over at Jungo. Food is going to be bomb, I heard. Better be bomb. I hope so. Yeah, it better be bomb. For what Jungo is going to spend on that (laughs) food? There yes. not be no cafeteria food with yeah. the styrofoam. And people are always like, hey, what's a town hall meeting? A town hall meeting is literally, if you see it during like the political season, mm-hmm. it's it's when someone stands up with a microphone in an audience and they take questions from the audience. Yeah. Like that's my favorite format. It's a ask us anything, no holds bar. Um, it's a way for the audience to get what they came from. Right. So many times you go to an event and you get to hear what the speaker wanted you to hear, right. what that presenter wanted you to hear. Sometimes you go to an event based on the title and the description, yeah. and that's not what this, the, the presenter gives. Not at all. So I like it. Like, look, free form, not afraid of it. It doesn't scare me. Let's get on stage, you and I, and let's let people ask us anything. Nice. And we will do our best to answer it based on the, the world as we know it or point you in the right direction towards the resources to, to obtain the answer that you need. I'm looking forward to it. Are you? You sound excited. I am. You're probably most excited about the steak craps, dinners, just the rolling craps, dice, just rolling dice. Because now I know the strategy, bro. You guys go five, you go six and eight because they get rolled the most. Then you throw in a lucky number. Always play the pass line and just sit there. And every once in a while, you might get frisky and go horn high. There you go, God, John. See, I knew nothing about that before until just th- thirty minutes with D at the crap table, and it's like, oh, I learned everything. Uh, didn't you do like a bachelor party over in the Bahamas? I did, but that was after I got all my tips from you. You, I hope you didn't take gambling tips from me. <laughs> I no, mean, I, I am, I am, I can teach people how to have fun. Yeah, uh, uh, I cannot time. teach you how to win. No, you, you win sometimes. You lose some, but you win some. There you go. Times. That's life. <laughs> right. That's life. All right. That's business, and let's talk about it as an industry. Let's because, talk about the mortgage business. Okay. Uh, because there's a lot of business decisions that are being made, especially in years like 2022. You mean there's more to in, behind it just than there's just rates? So yes. Yes, there is more behind it. So I'm going to start in the very basic. Okay. At the very basic, what do people in the mortgage industry do? Well, we create widgets based on what the buyer is willing to purchase. The widgets we make are called home loans or mortgages. Those mortgages end up being packaged together and they end, they, they're created into a bond so investors can invest in that bond. That is how our world works. So it's paramount for anyone to first understand we are only going to make a widget if there's a buyer for said widget. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if our widget is gold-plated, if our, if our widget is loaded with the best technology, if no one's willing to buy a gold-plated, mm-hmm. best-in-class technology widget, then we're not going to make them. And I use widgets and I use assembly lines and I use a purchasing market Mm -hmm. 
because it's the easiest way for me to conceptualize what the mortgage industry is. So when a consumer says, I just don't know why you wouldn't give me a loan because my credit score is an 800 and because I have $100,000 in the bank and I'm putting 20% down and it's, they're correct. That those are great qualities, mm. but I just started my own business. I have to turn around and tell them, well, I'm sorry, the purchasers of widgets don't want the widget that I can make with your criteria, meaning they want you to have a job, right? So like, that's the easiest way to understand those decisions. When loan officers go to their branch manager and they're like, I don't know why our company won't do X, Y, or Z decision. They need to understand that, look, it's not that your employer doesn't want to do that loan. It's just that they have made a business decision that either executing that particular loan is too risky and they, they take a bigger chance that they're going to lose money or a bigger chance that if they actually facilitate that transaction, they're going to end up with a loan that they can't sell, that they choose to make a business decision not to Make provide it, not, not, not to put the product offering out there. Could it, so could a mortgage company in theory make any type of, let's say widget, uh, just a widget is like a different type of loan product. Let's say FHA, yes. VA, yep. uh, they're, they're, all, all. they're all widgets. Uh, could a mortgage company in theory, like make up their own widget and like just say, we're just going to make up this own loan product. Does it do they need any type of approval from like a governing body or could Waterstone go out and be like, we're just going to make a Waterstone special plan. And maybe there's only two or three people that qualify for it, but could you do that in theory if you wanted to? Great question. So in the words of Danielle Anderson, it depends. Yes, but no. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we are only going to make things, we meaning the industry that we can sell. We are only gonna make things that have a market out there. Mm -hmm. So if I'm gonna do a loan that I go out and I create and usually would call that a non-QM, mm -hmm. non-qualified mortgage, and I can set the underwriting standards, then yes, I can do that. But what happens when I need to raise money? What happens when I have a great opportunity to go acquire, let's say, another company in order to expand my footprint, but I am cash poor, but I'm asset rich. The asset I may have are a bunch of loans that I, my loan officers went out and originated, but now I can't sell them to raise the cash I need to go acquire that other company to grow my footprint because there's no secondary market. Like that's the business side behind it. Now, if I'm a bank, then banks have what are called deposits, right? People like you and I need to store our money somewhere. We store it at a bank. Sometimes certain banks have so many deposits, they have to lend money. They're like, look, we're sitting on all of this money Money, just like with you and I, money sitting in a savings account doesn't do crap for me. Mm -hmm. Right, what does it earn me? 0.1% interest? <laughs> yeah, like that's why I don't wanna keep a whole lot of cash on hand. Maybe three to six months of my, of my lifestyle, but other than that, the rest of my money I wanna have deployed into other investment vehicles. Banks, that's how they operate. So when a bank is sitting on too much cash, they need to go lend it. So maybe if I was a bank, I'd be willing to take a small portion of that cash mm -hmm. and lend it out to that, that specific product. Gotcha. The problem becomes, if I get into a pinch and I need to sell that off, do I have a buyer? That is the business side of the mortgage industry. We as, the, as a lender are only gonna create a product where there is a buyer, where there is a market. 
And normally I'm only going to create a product where there's multiple buyers because if I was a seller and there's only one buyer, that buyer has all the control, right? They, they can dictate to me the price, especially if I'm the person who's in need. So if I'm creating again, quote unquote widgets, mm -hmm. I want to create widgets that have multiple buyers. I want to create loans and deliver loans into the market. We call that the secondary market where there are multiple takeouts because that is my security that I'm going to be able to get fair value or top dollar for whatever product it was that, that, that I created. Mm -hmm. And then you start throwing on compliance and regulation that also goes into the various business decisions that have to be made. Mm -hmm. So you in your questioning also reminded me like, let's talk about, well, how do most mortgage lenders operate? We just talked about how banks operate, right? Mm -hmm. Banks for the most part, for the most part, they raise their capital by offering banking services to the average consumer where we open up check-in and savings accounts and CDs. And they, we give them our cash in return. They hold it for safekeeping. They allow us to, to access it basically at will anymore with ATM machines and, mm -hmm. and online banking uh, platforms, but they don't just hold it. They then use it and they lend your money out to mm -hmm. Kevin. <laughs> And then they charge Kevin 5% interest while they're only paying you 0.1% interest and they're picking up the Delta. They're picking up the spread. That is how they raise their liquidity. But if you're a non-bank mortgage company, which the bulk of the mortgage companies out there are non-bank in today's day and age, they have to raise their money the old fashioned way, which is go borrow it. Mm. So they go to let's say a large banking institution, it could be Flagstar Bank, it could UBS, it could be mm. Fidelity, okay. and they obtain what's called a warehouse line of credit. Like if you and I want to go open up our own mortgage company. We could do that? We could do that. Okay. Sure. Yeah, how much net worth do you have first, John? Chill, bro. Not a lot. Okay. And more than likely, if you want to go uh, ask a bank like a UBS mm -hmm. or a Flagstar or a North Point, Shout out to Ashley at North Point because this is what she does. My girl, Ashley Lockerbie. Okay. Um, she she does warehouse lending for North Point Bank. We'd have to go there. We'd have to apply. They'd want to look at our books. They'd want to look at our personal assets, our personal credit, mm. at which point if we have experience and in the mortgage industry and we can show them some kind of a, a track history and sign away our lives, right. true story, right. they would maybe give us a, a warehouse line of credit. We could use that warehouse line of credit to fund loans before we sold them. Mm. This is the business side. This is how the mortgage industry works. Whether it's a big bank, whether it's a tiny hometown lender, mm. we all are somehow raising capital. If you're a bank, you're raising it through deposits. If you're a non-bank, you're raising it by getting a warehouse line of credit. Mm. And it's if you qualify, and then we're going to fund our loans on that warehouse line of credit. And then we're going to hope within five days or three weeks, we're able to sell that loan to the secondary market. Whether we're selling that loan directly to Fannie and Freddie through the cash window, whether we're selling that loan directly to Penny Mac or Amerihome or um, New Res, you name that aggregator, Wells Fargo, Chase, et cetera. Mm -hmm. When we sell that loan, we're able to then pay off the money we borrowed on our warehouse line of credit and pick up our profit. But here's something to keep in mind. This is the business side of the mortgage business. That warehouse lender gets a say in how we operate, John. Hmm. 
It's not willy-nilly. Oh, hey, here's a five million or ten million or hundred million or five hundred million dollar line of credit. Go have fun. Go have fun. It's like, no, no, no. I need to know, John, what type of loans are you funding on our line of credit? Hmm. So does oh, the people that with the warehouse lines, do they are they really the ones that control the strings? They have like the power, so to speak, because they can like yeah. dictate. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has a say. Okay. Right? State auditors have a say. The people that I deliver loans to in the secondary market, they have a say. Everybody wants to come audit my mortgage company, right? States, hmm. federal agencies, the people I sell loans to, the people I borrow money from, like they all want to audit my financials. Right. They want to see how I operate. They also want to see what type of contingency plan I have in case of a data breach. How do I train my people? How do I continuously uh, uh, educate them in, in terms of like continuing education? Yeah. What are our um, procedures for if something goes wrong? How are we going to fix it? Like what are our emergency backup plans? Like these are hmm. all things that when I'm running a mortgage business that, that transpire. So when I'm talking to a consumer as a loan officer and I'm a loan officer and my company demands X, Y, and Z out of me, please know your company is not trying to be dicks. Your company is just highly regulated, not just from federal and state, but also by the people they borrow money from, their warehouse lenders, as well as people that they sell loans to, the purchasers of their widgets. Mm -hmm. And they need to run a business that is sound. They need to run a business that is that is also going to have longevity, right? Because if you start taking way too many risks, eventually you're going to get caught. You're going to get trapped. And getting caught once could absolutely erase 20, 25 years of success. Okay, this is why it's like paramount for people to understand the decisions that mortgage companies are making, especially today. They're making business decisions. They're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to prevent their loan officers from making a living. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to prevent the consumer from being able to obtain a home loan. What they're trying to do is stay in business. So when I was describing to people that, hey, look, it's paramount for you to understand that your warehouse lender is going to have a say when you're a loan officer and you want to know, well, how come my, my company doesn't offer this product? Yeah. Maybe their warehouse lender doesn't allow them to. So they don't have a way of funding the product. So then it, it becomes, well, maybe I could then broker the loan. Yes, that is a strategy. When you work for a company that, that is a direct lender, they're used to funding their own loans, but there's a certain set of products that they don't fund themselves, that they broker out, it's because there's too much risk. Maybe their warehouse lender won't let them fund it. Maybe there's not enough takeouts. Not, there's not enough buyers in the secondary market who want to purchase said product. Therefore, they're like, look, we're fine letting you originate it, but we're not going to fund it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not going to underwrite it ourselves. We're going to make a third party. That way we know that third party is guaranteed to purchase that loan. Because the last thing we need to do is have a loan that we fund on our warehouse line not get purchased. Hmm. Because by the way, you probably don't know this, but I do know this and I'll share it with the audience as well as you, John. Okay. When a warehouse lender helps me fund a loan, mm -hmm. they don't fund 100%. Oh, they don't. No. So if I lent you 300 grand and I needed to wire 300 grand to closing, yeah, yeah, I, I probably only got 95% of 300 grand from my warehouse lender. Who ponies up the rest of the money? Me, homie. Oh, snap. Yeah, if I run this company, it's me that has to pony that money. So you times that by right. you know, 20, 30 closings a day, 100 closings a day, <laughs> 
And even if it was only fifteen thousand dollars, well, fifteen thousand times ten closings is one hundred fifty grand. Yeah. Right. So now you're starting times that by by fifty closings. It's a lot of money. It's yeah, three quarters of a million dollars. So I have to have that cash and that capital. And then when I'm unable to sell the loan, what do I do? Now I got to put that loan on my books. The problem is I'm paying interest on that warehouse line. Mm. And my warehouse line is only yay big. If it's 50 million, it's 50 million. If I have a bunch of loans caught on that warehouse line that I'm unable to sell mm -hmm. into the secondary market, there's no purchaser for it. Not only am I paying interest on it, but now there's a cost associated because now that's that many millions of dollars I can't, can't use can't for, for future so loans. If, if you can't sell it, how long does it sit in the secondary market forever? Just floats out there? Can you just take the L and pay for it with the interest? Or is it like, what if nobody ever? Well, there's always what they call the scratch and dent market. Okay. So if I wanted to take the L, mm -hmm. yeah, I could find someone to, to go give me 250 grand for the $300,000 loan. And I'm just going to write off $50,000. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Or normally what I would do is I would service it for a certain period of time. Once you get a decent on-time payment history, 12, 18 months. At that point, the loan is seasoned. At that point, I can either find a purchaser for it, mm. or maybe maybe I funded the loan, but by the time I funded it, I went to, de to deliver it, the market dried up. And when the market dried up, now I didn't have a purchaser. So I'm gonna give you some examples of the market drying up. April, 2020, that was when COVID hit. All of a sudden, there was not a market to deliver non-QM loans to, right? There were companies out there, I won't name their names, that all of a sudden, lenders were used to delivering millions of dollars a month to them. All of a sudden, they put their hands up, they said, stop, we're no longer purchasing, COVID has us freaked out, we don't know what this is gonna do to our economy, we don't know how many people are gonna go into foreclosure, we don't know if the federal government's gonna step in and, and do like a, a moratorium mm -hmm. on foreclosures or in, or forbearance, we're not purchasing it. Uh, yeah, but I got like $5 million of loans, homie, I need to deliver. Like, yeah, sorry about your luck, we're not buying. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so that happens. Um, you have what just transpired a couple of weeks ago when Sprout went out of business, when FGMC filed bankruptcy. There were lenders that had sent a loan to FGMC a $2 million loan, FGMC underwrote it. Now that business decision was meant that that lender had a non-delegated relationship, meaning their relationship wasn't that they had one of their underwriters underwrite the file, they, they sent it to FGMC, FGMC underwrote it, but that lender still wanted to fund the loan. They didn't want to broker it, they wanted to have, to, to, to have a correspondent relationship and they wanted to, because there's business decisions behind mm -hmm. that. Maybe you get better pricing. Maybe you're able to make more money. Maybe you don't have to disclose the SRP on the LE to the consumer. Like there's many reasons mm -hmm. why you'd want to have a correspondent relationship versus a wholesale or brokered relationship. But FGMC underwrote it. The mortgage company funded it. FGMC files bankruptcy. They're not purchasing that loan. You just funded a $2 million you're like, well, I, 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 and, and you probably took it to FGMC because the standard players, the Wellses, the Chases, the Penny Max, the New Reses, that loan was out of scope for them. That wasn't a loan that they would purchase from you. They weren't going to be a buyer. So your one and only takeout just flaked on you. They just dropped the ball, right? We saw it happen. Now, luckily with the COVID aspect, it happened temporarily. Mm -hmm. 
But then, um, you know, there was, it's happening now. Mm. So on that same note, I just read an article. So Flagstar Bank, Flagstar Mortgage, they're a top 10 bank, top 10 lender in, in the country. So they do it all, right? They have a retail mortgage loan origination, wholesale, correspondent. They do warehouse li like lending, et cetera, et cetera. Their warehouse channel has just come out to some of their clients and said, we're not allowing you to fund non-QM loans on our warehouse line. That was their decision. They're making a business decision. Now, if I'm running a mortgage company, I may have to go to my, to my field, to my sales reps mm -hmm. and say, hey, look, guys and girls, we are no longer originating bank statement loans in-house, or we are no longer doing DSCR loans in-house, or we are no longer doing I-10 loans in-house. We now have to broker them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, whoa, what do you mean? We have to broker them now. now uh. Look, it's a business decision. Like shit flows downhill. Mm -hmm. The people that we rely on to operate our business have come down and said, no. Just like those same people, and I know I mentioned this on the episode that we did two weeks ago, but those warehouse lenders also are gonna audit people's financials. They wanna make sure that you're profitable. They wanna make sure that you're running a sound business mm -hmm. that makes money. Like no mortgage company is pro bono. This is not a non-for-profit, right? right? There, trust me, and I am an LO at heart. There are many LOs who wish their companies ran a non-for-profit <laughs> yeah. based on how they wanna price some loans. <laughs> right. But no, it's not the case. Like when you look at your rate sheet, it's your rate sheet is your rate sheet based on A, your compensation as a loan officer and B, your company's business model. There are many companies out there that whose business model, I don't agree with this model, is to lose money. All right. Yeah, not a long-term play. Yeah, pretty risky. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Right, so like when a loan officer is like, but why can't we do what X, Y, and Z mortgage company is doing? I'm like, I kind of feel like my my mom, like, well, you know. Yeah, if a friend you're dropping off a bridge, would you do it too? Yes. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know what type of dire straits they're in. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they care about investing in technology or staying, staying ahead of the curve or what their play is. But I can tell you their business model right now is that they're losing money on originations. Right. And that is not a long-term recommended play. Mm -hmm. So when you ask me as a branch manager to follow suit, you're basically asking me to go play Russian roulette because <laughs> all the cool kids are doing it. Yeah, doesn't make like, sense. Like, nah, or jump off the bridge because your buddy did it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know if your buddy's suicidal or not. I know I'm not. Yeah. I love my life. I want to keep living yeah. it. Um, when did all this business stuff come into? Because I know just by well, being from on the, the beginning. Really? But I like, for example, like in the 90s when it was Wild Wild West, you just needed a pulse and fog a mirror to get a loan. Was there still all There this? was still a business behind it. There was still it. a business behind it. Yeah, and that was the early 2000s. Okay. Not quite the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> so like... I'll talk about that. In 2004, five and six, why were we doing liar loans? Why were we doing fog and mirror loans? That meant if you could fog a mirror, yeah. like you put a mirror in someone's nose and it fogged up. You knew qualified. Were, yeah, like, yep, yeah, you qualified. Why? Because there was a market for it, right? Because there was ratings agencies that were rating these instruments, these bonds as A rated. And then the bonds were being sold off to pension companies and foreign governments. It was dirty. It was shady. There was a lot of fuzzy math going on. But on the street level, which is where mortgage companies operate, we were only creating products that, that Wall Street was asking us to make. And then Wall Street was in packaging and selling and marketing those products, and they had a buyer for it. And it was 
obviously not as a, a it's a stain on the industry it's a it's a stain on wall street we live through it we learn from it we're better because of it but to answer your question shortly because there was a buyer mm. if there wasn't a buyer we would never do it hmm. we'd have never been there and that's why like i'm so strong in my sentiments about there not being a housing bubble well there's not gonna be a housing bubble for multiple reasons i'm not saying that home prices couldn't go down by five or ten percent okay cool like home prices just went up 30 percent in the past two years if they come back down even 10 percent, that still means they went up 20 percent over a three-year period of time mm -hmm. that's that's still pretty freaking awesome right mm -hmm. but the reason why is because we don't have the hysteria of creating easy financing and back then we had more we we, we had um uh, uh just a feverish amount of supply as well as demand and just it was right. bubble-esque right. we don't have those same qualities and we're not lending that way mm -hmm. we're not lending's not easy in fact it's becoming more difficult when we see what's happening to the non-QM market. When we see companies like Sprout and FGMC struggling, like that makes lending less available mm -hmm. and more restrictive. Mm -hmm. um, so when you ask a question, like if you're a, a lender, a borrower, a home buyer, a realtor, et cetera, you're like, well, you know, so why is it that everything that we're doing for the most part is a Fannie, Freddie, mm -hmm. VA, FHA loan? Why? Because there's a guaranteed buyer on that. 100%. There's a guaranteed buyer. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a market. That market doesn't come and go. Mm -hmm. It's always there. Right. That market is always there. So we can make decisions at when we're running a business, we have patterns that we can follow. And it makes it very easy to continuously deliver those those oh. loans. And then there's certain loans, whether they're private label securities, PLSs, or whether they're, they're non-QMs, where that market ebbs and flows and fluctuates. And that's where those business decisions come and go, mm -hmm. right? So like if I'm a loan officer, I may have worked for a bank and that bank for four or five years dominated the condo market in a certain, in a, in a certain market. Maybe it's in um, Pensacola, Florida, mm -hmm. right? Gulf Shores, Alabama, that bank just dominated. We had the best product in house. We were crushing the competition. And then one day the bank wakes up and said, yep, we're done. We're full. What? Uh, but that's, that's how I make my money. Yeah, if you're a loan officer, yeah. yes. If you're a realtor used to referring that, but they're like, we're done. Well, why are they done? Well, because they're full. Because when they look at their portfolio of investments, and an investment is that bank doing that loan, right? Because they took John's Coleman savings account, times it by another 1,000 John Coleman's, <laughs> and then they started lending out money on non-warrantable condos in a resort beach community once they've lent out what they feel like is enough, then they raise their hand and say, enough's enough, I'm done. Mm -hmm. They made a business decision. It has nothing to do with being mean to their no, loan officer, no. being mean to the borrowers, being, no. It very well could have been an auditor came in and said, whew, do you see how exposed you are? Because they're top heavy with this one product, you might want to diversify. Correct. Hey, you maybe need to go back into commercial lending. Right. Maybe you need to start um, you know, opening up money to uh use car sales like you know yeah, like yeah. you need to, to diversify it's you're running a bank a bank is a business so it's understanding that concept mm. saying oh that's why right. so ready let's talk about this rates right now are six and a half percent six and a half percent give or take i don't you know when yeah. you're listening just know that this is 2022 okay right. 
But six and a half percent, it could be six, it could be seven. There's so many factors. By the way, there's like 28 factors that go into someone's interest rate. But let's just say they're about six and a half percent or six percent, and you can't get what's called par pricing. Par pricing would mean the consumer is not paying any type of discount point for that particular rate. Right now, there's many loans where you can't find par pricing. By the way, there's a business decision behind that. The reason is that the market, Wall Street, the people who are purchasing these loans after they are closed, packaged, converted into a security, they are saying, based on our research, based on our experience, based on hypotheses that we have created using super smart people with super smart computers, mm -hmm. we believe the likelihood of this loan paying off early is high. When someone is purchasing a bond, they don't want it to pay off early. Mm -hmm. They expect it to have a certain uh, lifespan, seven years, 10 years, five years, what have you. So if I go out and purchase something and it doesn't materialize the way that I anticipated it to, and it pays off early, you impacted my investment strategy because that's the people who are buying these, mm -hmm. these bonds or some kind of investors. Again, pensions, life insurance companies, hedge funds, other countries, et cetera. So I have to factor that in if I'm a purchaser that the loans that I'm buying today very well will be have a three times more likelihood to have a rapid prepay. So I'm not going to pay you $100 or par. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to pay you 99 because I have to factor that into my decision. And if I can buy this security for $99 instead of $100, it makes sense. Well, if I am the widget maker, that means I can't make widgets that have par pricing. Every one of my widgets, I have to charge the consumer that 100 mm -hmm. basis points, mm -hmm. right? The difference between 100 and 99 is 100 basis points or one. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see the pricing that you see. It's not that your secondary market uh, v vice president and his team or her team are a bunch of crackheads. <laughs> right. It's not because, oh my God, our, our new CEO is trying to pad his pockets. No. It's yeah. because there's there's a purchaser on the other end, and that purchaser is not comfortable paying you a hundred for a security mm. that they feel like has a three times more likelihood of prepaying, so they'll only pay you ninety nine. Is that like the knee jerk sentiment that loan officers have? Like, oh, my company's trying to dick jerk me over because they don't want to do this, and there's really all these other factors. Well, yeah, lack of education can lead people down a path of various assumptions right. and and some are wackadoodle yeah. and crazy and off the wall uh some of them come from being scared but most of them come from being just just not educated right. not fully understand right. so like the point of today's episode and i know we're getting long but i could go on and on and on like understanding mm -hmm. it's a business and the last thing i want to say about understanding it's a business this is for my loan officers this is for my loan, loan officers especially those los those guys and girls who are out there who are self-generating, who are creating their own brand, their own following, their own database of referral sources, their own database of past clients. I can't stress this enough. You are a business owner. Start acting like it. Start thinking like it. Start making decisions like a business owner. I know you may work for Fairway. You may work for Guild. You may work for Cardinal. You may work for Waterstone. You may work for Cross Country. High five. That is the umbrella that you operate under. But your mindset is one that you too are a business owner. You need to make business decisions 
based on what works best for you, both short term and long term. And I find too many loan officers never achieve the level of success that they sought sought out to because they were unable to think like business owners and business operators. They only could think like a salesperson. Mm. They are a sales rep, a loan rep, a loan officer. That's not the case. Now, if you work in a different environment where maybe leads are provided to you, maybe it's okay that you currently think mostly like a sales rep, Mm -hmm. mostly like a loan officer. Now, I'm going to encourage you to go back to one of our very first episodes and listen to Louis Valsaint talk about entrepreneurship because I'm still going to encourage you to become an entrepreneur if that's where you work. Mm -hmm. But for everyone else, it's learning. Learn the business. Understand the why behind it. When you two are running your business, run a business. You work for John Coleman LLC. Yes, I know you may be a loan officer at XYZ Mortgage Company, Finance of America, Mm -hmm. but you work for John Coleman. You need to make business decisions based on John Coleman, but you have to also recognize and understand your company has to make business decisions based on what's best for them. And you need your mortgage company making money because if they're not making money, you'll be looking for a new job. If they're not making money, they're not investing in technology. If they're not investing in technology, you're not going to survive 2024 and 2025. You're not going to be around to see it, right? You need to be investing in products, but safe products that has a buyer behind it. Mm You need to, and by the way, when you need to, like there are auditors who mandate this. There are warehouse lenders who mandate this. Mm -hmm. There are stakeholders, those companies that that we deliver loans to, we call them our takeouts, or we'd call them the aggregators, that they too are coming in and they're looking at our business model. How do we operate? How do we train? What is our culture? What type of loans are we originating? What type of people are we helping? You need to make sure that your company is adhering to those so that you are around tomorrow, next month, next quarter, next year, and that you're not just surviving, but hopefully that, that you're thriving. So understand that and promote that. Like I don't care what company you work for, you should promote your company making sound decisions, even if it means you didn't get that loan today, right? There's a, I'm, I'm going to end on this. There's an awesome clip on YouTube from Jocko Willink, and it's like six years old now. If you just Googled Jocko Good, G-O-O-D, I love it. I'm going to find a way to incorporate it in like a sales meeting or our next sales rally, mm-hmm. or maybe when we go out to Vegas or the next Vegas type event that we mm-hmm. end up doing, and it's good. And it's Jocko who's talking like this because he's a badass at everything in life. But he's like, you didn't get that job promotion. Good. Now you have an opportunity to work harder. Your next event was canceled. Good. That means you have more time to prepare. You lost that loan to rate. Good. Now you can work on your sales presentation skills. Good should be the answer when you find out that your mortgage company doesn't do something you wish they did. Hopefully it's good because that's the right decision that we need to make to make sure that we not only survive, but thrive in the future. Good, 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 good. Do I run a good business? Is it sound? Is it reliable? Is it long-term? These are all things that regardless of where you are in your career, what you do for a living, I think we all should be wanting to work for a company that makes sound business decisions, but we first have to understand them. We too 
should be making sound business decisions because we have to understand them. Well said. Any other questions as it pertains to the mortgage business? I actually gonna, do. I okay, actually cause, do. Because I am going to have to find a way to wrap I this know, up. I know, yeah. But that was powerful. Because we could go on and on because there's way more of that mm-hmm. that we haven't even discussed. Right. I think what what many people fail to recognize, the mortgage business is more than just a home borrower yeah. wanting to buy a house who has a realtor involved and a loan officer. Right. It's more than just processors and underwriters and closers. Mm-hmm. Like there is compliance, there is marketing, there is legal, there's servicing, there's there's warehouse lending. Like yeah, it's crazy. It's a business, people. Mm-hmm. It is a it is the mortgage industry. There's about five major silos. It employs hundreds of thousands of people. But your question was All right, what? to end on this. Um since it's a business, is there ever a threat of it becoming a monopoly, like what we see with telecommunications and cell phone companies all being like, there's like two main players, AT&T and Sprint, and that's it. No. No? No. The number one lender in America has to be Rocket. Rocket companies, Rocket Mortgage. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure that their market share is less than 10%, John. Really? The mortgage industry is one of the most fractionalized industries that I'm aware of. I'm talking major players, top 10 lenders have single digit penetration. Really? Single digit I penetration. I would have never thought that. Yes. Mm. Yes. It's, um, it'd be a really cool case study for like some Harvard MBA candidate or PhD candidate. Mm. Like I, I, I'm curious how it would compare to other industries, mm-hmm. but no, hmm. nope. The monopoly may be like, Hey, uh, us, us fractionalized lenders can really only deliver loans to Fannie and Freddie, right? Right, But that's actually almost an experiment in socialism a little bit. When you think about, we rely on the US government for our housing industry to operate. That is a crazy conundrum. Hmm. Like we can't figure out whether or not we want universal healthcare, but I'm gonna tell you all, whether you like it or not, we have the housing industry that we have because of the U.S. government. If it wasn't for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the FHA, USDA, and the Department of Veteran Affairs, none of us would have 15-year, 20-year, or 30-year fixed mortgages. That's a whole nother, yeah, that's that's a, a whole nother show, a whole yeah. nother episode. All right. And that doesn't even really get into like the business aspect. All right, cool. That's just, that's just a little bit, oh, things that make you say, hmm. hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Hey, John, if people wanted to like get a hold of us and find us, what's a good way for them to do that? The best way is to go to the website, tloponline.com. We have all of our social handles on there. But if you want to get a hold of Dustin Owen himself, the best place is LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn and type in Dustin Owen. He's all over there. He has how many? 15,000 people now you're connected with on there? Something like that, John. Damn, that's a small university. Something like that. Oh, that is a small university. I like how you said that. Um, hey, if, if you're interested in going to a badass mortgage event this year, plus a really cool city, plus hang out with two cool dudes, come hang out with us in Las Vegas. Attend Mortgage Mastermind. Uh, the website that John mentioned, there's information on the home screen. If you want to get a hold of John, I promise you only one person is is, is, is commenting and communicating to people who go to the website. So if you do like a contact us. Yeah, it goes to me. It goes to John Coleman. Yeah, so. But he's John Coleman, I'm Dustin Owen. I hope you appreciated that episode. You learned a thing or two. If you want to connect, connect with me on LinkedIn, as John said. That is all the time we have for you today, but we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.